everybody, and welcome to First and Goal, the hardest-hitting, up-and-coming ACC and SEC football podcast on the internet today. It is Tuesday, May 31st in the year 2022, and today we got all kinds of good news for you. Got a little bit of LSU spring footage towards in there. We always got to throw that film study in there. Before we get into any of this, let me go ahead and introduce y'all to my co-host, as always, the one, the only. Big Rob, how the hell you doing, brother? What's going on, everybody? I'm doing fine, doing just fine. Ready to talk a little bit of football on this uh, hot as hell summer day. It seems like. No, it's been a damn long one. I'm here to tell you, it's been a, it's been a hot ass day. It's been a long day. I was glad to get home, get in the studio, and talk some football. Because damn, the rest of this day has been rough. <laughs> Nothing makes a day better than being able to talk some football. Absolutely, man. As always. And just wait. We're less than 100 days away from game day. Uh, yes, sir. Less than 100 days away. We've also got some uh, some things happening in the ACC with meetings and whatnot for their, their spring slash summer meeting. Yes, sir. We got that. We're going to talk about that a little bit in our news. But uh, first little piece of news I'd like to talk about when we get ready to kick this thing off, man. Got a little news down there in South Beach, down there in Miami. Miami. Yes, sir. The University of Miami hires former standout athlete, NFL football player, Alonzo Highsmith, as the general manager of football operations. What a hire this was, man. You bring in a proven winner into the program to take over, you know, different operations and such like that. He's a, uh, a former NFL executive as well. Man, you couldn't have guessed for a better hire than this. And not only that, but he's a former national champion yes, with sir. the University of Miami, along with head coach Mario Cristobal. And, I mean, you got Jason Taylor on the staff, Mario, you bringing in Alonzo. I mean, they're just steady trying to pump in the winning culture in this thing. And, I mean, you just think about it, all right? Listen to what Cristobal said on him, and I quote, Alonzo is a true Miami hurricane. He understands the commitment and sacrifice it takes to be a champion on and off the field. His tremendous passion for the University of Miami and the city is unparalleled. And what he's bringing to the table is he's also a former student athlete. He was a first-round NFL draft pick and a NFL executive. Mm -hmm. So... He knows what it takes to get this culture back to what it once was. He's seen this culture at its peak when Miami was a terror for the Southeast. Where yeah. The hurricane name really meant something. It's, they lived up to the name of being a hurricane because they trashed everybody they played. Yeah, back then, man, you saw the hurricanes on the schedule. You, you were carrying fear, man, because, I mean, back then, Miami on the schedule pretty much meant a loss. That's exactly right, man. I mean, back then, it was pure hell playing Miami. And all three of these guys are also from three different eras. Jason Taylor, I want to say he was late 90s. Mm -hmm. Crystal Ball was early 90s. Mm -hmm. Then you got Alonzo from the early 80s. Don't forget, you've also got Ed Reed on staff. Damn, I forgot Ed Reed's on staff down yeah. there. What the hell did they hire him for? I believe he's another executive. Uh, no shit. I didn't even think about Ed Reed. Yeah. I didn't realize they'd hire him. That's, 
I mean, it's a steady pumping, and that's another winning culture. 2001. Mm-hmm. One of the best college football teams to ever step on the gridiron. Yes, sir. It just, it speaks volumes, man. You're bringing in former players. It's kind of like uh, what South Carolina did last year. Beamer brought in a lot of guys, former players. You bring in that old energy, winning history back into the program, and it breathes that winning tradition back in there. They start seeing these guys talking like, hell, these guys won with the same school. Why can't we? Exactly, man. I mean, you're bringing in folks that the fans were previously high on, excited about. You're bringing them into the coaching staff, man, and you're just, you're just causing that change directly into the culture. You're getting everybody excited once again to see what how it can become. Exactly, man. I mean, let's talk a little bit about High Smith. He played for the Hurricanes from 83 to 86. Then after that, he got 29 years experience, 18 playoff appearances as a player in the NFL, a scout, and an executive. He spent the last 23 years just in scouting and personnel. Yeah. Where did you do a lot of scouting and personnel work at? College football. Yes, sir. Tell me this wouldn't work wonders for recruiting. A great talent evaluator. And, I mean, he's seen it at the NFL level. So, he's going to be able to look at these guys and say, hey, this is future NFL talent. This isn't. This is going to really work to your benefit, especially when you're finding a diamond in the rough with a three-star player and so on and so forth. Absolutely, man. I mean, you know, not to mention on top of that, these players can actually go directly to him and actually talk about what it takes to become a Say a first round pick, or that's exactly right. How do you get to the first round pick? How do you become a starting NFL running back? Right to be playing in the playoffs at the highest level. I mean, there's so much, so many benefits to not just the young men, but also to the facilities around Miami. Because I mean, it's just been. Let's be honest, man. It's been a little bit of a. It's been a hell of a drought. Not even a little bit. It's been a hell of a drought down there. Yeah, early two thousands. And it's just in recent years, yeah, you had some success with Mark Rick when they brought him in there, but it's towards tail in his career, and he's already starting to have some signs of his health issues he's battling now, which we continue to pray for him. Yeah. But then Manny Diaz came in there, and he had one pretty good year in 2020 on the COVID year, but as soon as everything went back to a little bit of normalcy, things just fell by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah, man, I mean – when was the last time you'd actually been excited about a Miami Hurricane full season and you expected high things from them? Because, I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's been a while since I've actually said, hey, I think this could be a winning season for them. It been a while since I said I thought this could be a winning season as far as win-loss record goes, but as far as being a relevant season, like an ACC I mean. championship yeah. season, a BC, potential BCS bowl contender season. It's been a long time. It's been since 03. Yeah. 02, 03, somewhere in there. I think 03 after they lost Natty to Ohio State. <laughs> yes, sir. Everybody's yes, sir. expecting big things, and it just kind of dwindled down from there. Yeah, it seems like after Ohio State beat them in that Natty, man, they just took the wind out of their cell and they became irrelevant. Well, since then, man, they've just gone at, through head coach after head coach after head coach. The Let's be honest, the program kind of quit caring about football for a long time there. And That's the way it seemed, definitely. It seems like the fan base and the culture and everybody else finally got sick of them and said, damn, 
we are a known winning program. This is getting ridiculous. We want our football program back. And I, I'll give him credit. The new school president took the bull by the horn, so to speak, and he has made this a huge priority in bringing back Miami football. And it seems like they're well on their way, at least in the offseason. Well, they're bringing it back, and as we can perfectly see by you know the recent hires they've had with the head coach, uh, the new general uh, general manager of football operations, uh, Ed Reed, and the role that he's in. Man, they're they're not just bringing back football, but they're bringing back Miami royalty to football. Exactly. No, we're not going to discuss it today, but it's kind of like that Miami spring game, man. We looked at it. It was a whole different level of intensity on the field from what we've seen years past Miami. Absolutely. I mean, Miami, last year, I said they looked pretty quick in the spring game and whatnot, and they showed some physicality and everything, but there was still something missing. It just didn't – it still didn't sit quite right with me. Mm-hmm. Back then, I mean, whenever we watched last year, it was glimpses. It wasn't necessarily, you know, each down. It was just – just, you know, picture shots, you know, just glimpses of greatness. But, man, I, I can't wait to dig into this Miami for y'all. No. This season. I really can't, man. I really can't. And all in all, I just I feel like this is going to be a great hire for the university. It's going to be a great hire for the culture. It's going to be a great hire for the student athletes, for a mentor and a guy with all this NIL and everything. I mean, this guy's played in the NFL. He's been an NFL exec, so I'm sure he knows how to handle money. He can help them learn with things like that, investments and whatnot. Just a great all-around decision, big hire. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, even if, even uh, uh, Smith himself said that he was humbled to come back and couldn't wait to work with Mario and Dan Rakovich and uh, just talking about his passion for the city and what he's ready to get done, man. He's, he's up for the challenge. That's exactly right. What I've noticed is you got guys coming out the woodwork here lately that are just truly embracing the city and saying, coming out the woodwork ready to come back home mm-hmm. and just embracing this challenge, embracing the city, and just taking it all in as a whole and trying to rebuild Miami from the inside out all over again. Yeah, man, and I'm telling you what, I am excited for this challenge. I'm excited to see what happens this season, and I'm just excited for Miami football. Yes, sir. But on that note, let's uh, kick it out of Miami, and let's head on north up there to Lexington, Kentucky. Got a little bit of breaking news going on there to speak also. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I'm telling you what, I don't know what's happening in Kentucky, but when it rains, it pours, man. Talking about uh, Chris uh, Mummy. Oh no, you're talking about how mummy? Yeah, yeah, how mummy? Okay, my bad, my bad. I had the wrong thing pulled up, but yeah, how mummy? It looks like he was uh, in Kentucky. Was reportedly arrested early Friday morning uh, at the Hyatt in downtown Lexington. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm telling you, it's a it's a shame. In case you didn't know. Mummy was the head football coach for the University of Kentucky from late 1996 through early 2000. He resigned after two, year 2001 after having violations that he violated some NCAA rules. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because back then that was really, if you really think of it, that's where Kentucky was starting to kind of turn a little bit of a page and get a little bit of relevancy. Yeah, they, they started, you know, they had a couple of seasons where they got real hot and made a couple of bowl games, first time in a long, long time. And then it turned around, they would, you know, have a couple of losing seasons. But, 
Yeah, I mean, Hal Mummy was really well respected down there in Kentucky. When he left, he had a record of 20 wins, 26, loss, 26 losses. Yeah, man. Wasn't the best win-loss record, but, Tom, you had some real powerhouses. Schedule was real tough, and it's not like today. Today's a lot more level of a playing field, especially with NIL going on. Mm-hmm. But he also produced a number one overall draft pick in 1999, Tim Couch. Yes, sir. Good old Mr. Couch, man. And I tell you what, I don't care what anybody says. He was a hell of a quarterback in college ball, and I believe he could have been something in the NFL too, but we ain't going to go into all that. Yeah, I mean, he really could have. And, I mean, this whole situation is a shame. I mean, you put together a number one pick and all that, and you get in trouble in early 2001, have to resign from coaching. I mean, this guy's the godfather. A lot of people consider the air raid offense. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a mentor to Mike Leach. Yeah. Who is, I mean, going on to have an outstanding career, to say the least. Yeah, not to mention, man, I mean, they worked previously worked together at several different programs. You know, even most recently, Mummy previously served as an offensive coordinator down there for the Dallas Renegades in the XFL. And they, and they actually had a pretty good win-loss record as well. Yeah, they did. It's just, it's a shame, man. I mean, you start off as a head coach, you think they would be able to gather it all up and still figure something out and move on and move forward. But really, he just never could get it. Kind of like things unraveled back then. XFL, like he finally got maybe a shot to get a little bit of relevancy back, and that fell apart. We all know how that went. Yeah, man. I mean, and you speak of NIL, he actually had a his own agency down there in Lexington trying to help these guys get NIL deals. Oh, I'm telling you, but it's a damn shame. And I, I don't know what's more worrisome about this, though, is how he was charged with criminal trespassing. So what the hell is the deal with that? Or more so the fact that he was resisting arrest. Yeah, man, I'd say probably what happened is he got drunk, he got belligerent, Resisted, they tell him to leave. He said, F you, got belligerent, tried to fight the cops. And, you know, that's probably what she wrote. I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but one can only imagine. Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately for everybody else, we'll be coming back to Lexington with a little more news related to that situation. (laughs) But uh, next thing I want to touch on is we're going to kick it on over to Virginia. Good old Virginia Tech. Yes, sir. Some bad news over there in Blacksburg. I hate. I hated to see this, but really has me wondering. It blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, very good, high star, very highly recruited edge rusher Rashad Purnell announced on Thursday that he has reopened his recruitment and he is decommitting from Virginia Tech after verbally committing to them eleven months ago. Hell, he signed his NLI back in December, man. I mean, he's been signed his name on the dotted line almost six months ago. And 11 months ago, one one month away from being a year was when he verbally committed. Yeah. And he's been all positive on Virginia Tech. Everything's been great. You're just excited for this fall. I know I was extremely excited to see him play this fall. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, he's, he's you know highly touted, man. He's had a lot of programs after him. But... All of a sudden, he just withdraws, you know, from Virginia Tech and reopens the recruitment. 
like you said, he, he put his name on the dotted line. And I just I can't understand how you can withdraw once you have signed that NLI. The only thing that makes me wonder a little bit, though, that I find this to be shocking but very coincidental at the same time, is it coincidence or is it not, is he announces his decommitment only days after. I mean, just earlier this week, his Highland Springs teammate, Taki Heath, Taki Heath, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Taki. Taki Heath committed to Virginia Tech, who's a former teammate of his earlier this week. And if anything, you would think that would help him want to stay. Absolutely, man. What a familiar face coming in, but it makes you wonder if there's like a little bit of previous bad blood or what the deal is with that. Yeah, there's there's something going on, man, because, I mean, you know, he loved, you know, his own words were he loved Blacksburg. He loved being in Blacksburg and was excited to be a Hokie. And then just all of a sudden, out of the blue, with no warning, he reopens his his uh, recruitment. Exactly. And, I mean, he even said flat out he's been spending time in Blacksburg the last two years, visiting the school, getting to know the town, getting familiar with Hokie Nation. And he really loved it. And then out of nowhere, boom. So, I mean, and it's the same week that his teammate comes in. So, is it something to do with his former teammate? I would venture to guess probably so, but I mean, I'm not going to put any words in anybody's mouth and say that's exactly what it is, but... Or, or, I'm also wondering, could this be another instance of the almighty dollar from the NIL? Are you talking about tampering? Coming in here and changing things up. I mean, I'm not going to accuse nobody, but I'm just saying, man. With this NIL, with all this money flying around, I mean, until this man is on campus and it's signed, signed. But it was signed. And delivered. I mean, yeah, you got a point there. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't know what the hell to expect anymore with NIL. No. I mean, it's, you can't take nothing for granted. It's really, you are living in the moment. No, I mean, this isn't, you know, a pre-signing day fiasco where a kid is verbally committed to a school and then less than 24 hours later, our commits to a different school. This is, he's already signed his NIL, or in, excuse me, NLI, and he is coming into town, expected to come in midsummer. And then all of a sudden, just the rug, rug's pulled right out of under Virginia Tech. Yeah, it just it does not make any sense. But I will say, this seems a little similar. There's been a few other athletes earlier this year, not just one, but a few. Mm-hmm. They have committed to schools and then at the very last minute pulled back, and there's another school right there above Virginia Tech. I'm not going to call out any names, but it's a common denominator. Yeah. I'm not going to name any names or anything or say they got a turtle for a mascot or anything like that. <laughs> but, uh, I like turtles. <laughs> <laughs> turtles are cool, but this turtle's been a dick to the ACC and SEC. I'm telling you right now. They're snatching. They don't have no standards. They're just snatching everywhere they can get them. I would not be surprised to see something come up with that. It just blows my mind, though, because this man literally was supposed to enroll at Virginia Tech this summer. He was literally weeks away from enrolling. Not this fall, but this summer. Weeks away. Mm-hmm. I mean... 
Talk about coming down to the wire. We're not even talking about months. We're talking about weeks. Yeah, and I mean, he just came off of a great senior year. 40 solo tackles, 18 assists, 11 sacks, 21 tackles for a loss. Hell, he even forced four fumbles and broke up two passes from his edge rushing position. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're coming off a great senior year. You've been spending the last two years getting recruited by the school. You love the school. It's in your home state. You get to stay close to home, stay close to family. Just, yeah. just all pumped up, and then at the last minute, you pull out. The same week, one of your teammates comes in there. It's just it's very strange. But another thing I also kind of can't help but wonder is included in this recruiting class was also another edge rusher, Keyshawn Burgos. Mm-hmm. And Burgos was also a first-team All-Metro player along with him. So... Makes me wonder a little bit. But still, though, your name's on the dotted line. Don't that count for anything anymore? Yeah, I agree. But that's why I kind of wonder. I can't help but wonder, man, about this NIL light. You got kids nowadays... 17, 18 years old. You're putting a lot of responsibility on. They're just getting their real free taste. The real taste of freedom, if you will. They're getting out in the world. They're also getting the real taste of bills. And I mean, maybe not this young man, but in instance, maybe you come from a family where you want to help out. Maybe you got a family where you want to help out. If another school says, hey, you come over here. We already got an NIL deal sitting here waiting on you. Just sign your name on the dotted line. Come on over here, and we can get you an extra fifty or sixty thousand a year. That might not seem like a lot to some people. Might not seem like a lot to some of these real big millionaire players. They got college football now. These multi-million dollar NIL deals. But seventeen years old, sixty, you find a hell. I can make an extra sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, the old saying goes, the old adage goes, money talks and bullshit walks. But I just still can't get over it. You signed your name on the dotted line. You have a written commitment to a school. I mean, hell, I think it should be passed that if something like this happens, they have to take a year off. Okay, but if that's the case, then you're saying Spencer Rattler has to take a year off of South Carolina. You're saying all these great transfers that come to all these different schools have to take a year off. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is when you had, or straight from high school, you have signed your name on the dotted line to commit to a school. He's not transferring from school to school. He's withdrew his pledge to the school. He's I'm, not transferring. I see what you're saying, but listen to this now. How is that any different than transferring? Transferring, you've been at that school for a year. You've been getting a free education from that state for a year. You've been learning that school's playbook for a year. So if you ever play that school again, you have an unfair advantage. You already know what they do. You know what it looks like from the inside out. How's this any different than transferring? I mean, I definitely get what you're saying. I really do. And, I mean, you make a valid point, but I, I just still feel that a name on a dotted line should count. It should. At least, at least have to wait a year before you can enroll in any other school. When you sign with a university, are you signing to go to this university for one year? 
I mean, true. I mean, last time I checked, all these college universities are four-year degrees. Not one year. I mean, true. I mean, I see what you're saying. I get it. But at the same time, we can't knock him and then not knock Spencer Rattler. You can't knock these great wide receivers from Pittsburgh. You can't knock, hell, who was I going to say? Um, Quarterback in USC, Caleb Williams. Yeah. Can't knock him. There's so many great players you cannot knock. I get it. I get what you're saying. It's it's frustrating. I understand that. But at the same time, this is the world we're going to have to live in with this new NIL. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I, I definitely get what you're saying, and I, I wholeheartedly can see what you're talking about. But with those players, they've been at the school for at least a year. They know what they're getting into, but I, I don't know, man. Just somebody that, that can – that sounds the bottom line. I mean, you have committed, and I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I feel like. One is insane, though. You're getting hung up on one thing here. <laughs> signing your name on the dotted line. When you go to any school, you're signing your name on that dotted line. Hell, if anything, I'd be pissed about a transfer because he knows my playbook. Yeah. He knows my facilities. He can go to other schools and then go against my recruiting, telling other players to be recruited. Oh, no, man, I done been there. You don't want to do that. You don't want to mess with that. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I mean, in a way, you got to look at it from the standpoint of a kid 17 years old. You're a grown-ass man. All right, think of it this way. Say you get a job tomorrow. Starting pay is 30000 a year. You told him over the phone, okay, I'm starting Monday. Shake hands with the man. Then on Tuesday, you get a call from another job you applied at. Paying 130 grand a year. You gonna tell your family, no, nah, no, nah, I gave him my word. Sorry. We ain't gonna make that extra money. I ain't gonna take care of y'all. Yeah, I mean, you make a valid point. You make a valid point with that. I mean, 17 years old, it's just this is four or five years ago, I'd be a little more frustrated. I'm still a little I'm still frustrated at it, don't get me wrong. I hate seeing this. But at the same time, with money on the table. NIL, and let's face it, with the economy, the way it is in the world right now, there's no guarantees of nothing. Right. You don't know if you're going to make the NFL. You might play one year of college football and break a leg. But if you can put a hundred grand in the bank compared to fifty grand, what are you going to do? I mean, that's a valid point. Very much a valid point, but. <laughs> I mean, you got me. I mean, I can't argue my way out of this one, but at least we need some sort of a... There needs to be some sort set of rules put in place. I do agree with that. Some sort of a barrier that, that would keep, you know, some sort of rule set to where if they could prove that after you've signed your name with the NLI, that no other school should be able to recruit you after your name has been signed on the dotted line. That's why our national letter of intent. Yep. That's right. 
Yeah, um, I agree. But there's a lot of tampering going on. And the simple truth is, with this whole NIL deal, there's nothing NCAA can do about this crap, honestly. You're right. I mean, I think it's kind of what Nick Saban's raising hell about right now, which even though he's a hypocrite, because he's the tampering of some gun <laughs> ever was. It's a lot of sense of what Nick Saban's saying. Yes, sir. In a lot of these other schools. And I mean, yes, what he's saying is definitely hypocritical, but, you know, at the same time, he ain't wrong. Because now in college football, at the end of the year, if you have a good season, you don't have to worry just about other schools coming and taking your coaches. Offering them big contracts, you gotta worry about them taking the players. Yeah. But uh, with that being said, let's go on down south. Go down south. Got a little news coming from Columbia, South Carolina. Yes, sir. Right. Cox. Yes, sir. Coming from the Gamecocks, South Carolina added its second piece to its 2023 recruiting class this past Saturday. Yes, sir. And I love seeing this sign. Three-star offensive lineman, bring in the big man, Travon Ball, six foot four, three hundred and fifteen pounds, has committed to USC. He chose them over a top five that included Arkansas, LSU, North Carolina, and NC State. This is if you're a rebuilding program like Carolina's, this is a huge win. Just being able to win recruits over Arkansas, LSU, North Carolina, NC States. Not to mention that we South Carolina took them right out the backyard of Georgia. Exactly, man. I mean, he's the number 42 interior offensive lineman in the 2023 class. Now, you say number 42, that don't sound like that great. But there's five mm-hmm. on every offensive lineman. There's five linemen. And you can say he's an interior lineman. Let, let's just be real. Nowadays, in college football, NFL, you might play guard this week. You might play tackle next week. Hell, you might be a center four weeks from now. Yep. You rotate around. Yep. So you can play any of those five positions. So really, you're in the eighth best group in the nation. Yeah. Number eight group of offensive linemen in the nation is where he ranks at. That's huge. Yeah. And not to mention, I mean, his, his, his stock even may go up. We're not even in football season yet. No, exactly. He's still got one year left in high school. And I mean, hell, this past year, he helped guide. Pace Academy in Atlanta to 1,500 yards on the ground. Yes, sir. You don't get 1,500 yards on the ground without a great offensive line. Hell no. And I love seeing South Carolina recruiting this because if you're going to build any program from the ground up, you got to start where it counts. you got to start at the foundation. Yes, sir. you got to have them big, strong blocks to build from the ground up. you got to start in the trenches. Absolutely, man. Standing at six foot four, three 315 pounds. Bo, he he ain't got no you know no room. I mean, he's got more room to grow. That's exactly right. And I mean, he visited USC in practice for practice in March, and he also saw the spring game in April. And I mean, you listen to what he said about the program. He said, and I quote: "It's a good staff with a high-powered offense, very fast and physical. They're a program that's always been there for me, showing me love from the coaches to the recruiting staff. They've all supported me." And he talks about the bond he created with everybody. It's just played a major role in that. Yeah. And when you can make a special bond with a group of coaches, you get a group of people that care. I always want to do for the people that show me they care. I always go above and beyond for those people, and that's what he's doing. Absolutely. 
and to get a lineman, like you said, out of Georgia's backyard, being recruited by LSU, mm-hmm. NC State, North Carolina, Arkansas. Just to name a few. That's all winning programs, very good football programs. Yeah. So that is a huge thing. And the Gamecocks didn't stop there this week. Absolutely not. You want to touch on this next man they brought in? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Gamecocks pick up a preferred walk-on transfer in Gavin Sampson. Now, you Gamecock loyalists may know that last name, Sampson. We had brought, or South Carolina had brought in his brother, Landon Sampson, as a freshman wide receiver. He's coming back from the military and has actually transferred over to South Carolina to play football next season. And the beautiful part about all that is, one, he's the brother of a four-star signee for this 2022 class, which is great to hear. Because I tell you right there, there's talent in the blood. But also, Gavin's been serving in the armed forces. So you know he's going to be a young man with a lot of respect. He's going to be a very disciplined young man. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, he gets to come in as a PWO, third walk-on. He doesn't cost an athletic scholarship, but being a former member in the armed forces, he gets to go to school and the armed forces pays for it. Absolutely. So he still gets to go to school on scholarship and it doesn't cost the team athletic scholarship. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, and I mean, this kid is not bad in his own right. I believe he was a three star from what I saw when he originally was recruited into football. That's exactly right, man. I mean, he played receiver just like his brother, but hell, if he's been in the military, he's probably put on some weight, gained some muscle mass. Might be a good tight end. Absolutely. Or could be a good strong safety, free safety, defensive back, anywhere in there. I mean. Linebacker, you never know. That's exactly right, man. So, South Carolina, Shane Beamer and staff, they are doing the damn thing. Yes, sir. And here we go. <laughs> Let's take a trip right back on up to Lexington, Kentucky, y'all. Home of the DUI. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wildcat fans, don't try to kill me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Y'all just y'all are catching hell right now, and I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. But y'all got to get your shit together over there, man. Come on now. Again, when it rains in Kentucky, it pours, man. I mean, you're running back. The star of the show. Chris the- Rodriguez. Had the world on his back, man. And it, you know, had the world at his fingertips. Chris Rodriguez was recently arrested for careless driving and driving under the influence. And ended up missing court. Afterwards. Afterwards. So, not only did he go to jail for that, but now he also has a bench warrant for another thing. Yeah, for Now... His future with the Wildcat program has a huge question mark on it. We don't know if he will be a part of the program, period, going into this year. But at a minimum, you're looking at at least, at least a couple weeks. Yeah, at least a two-game suspension. That would put him missing the Florida game. But, I mean, when even people very close to the program, are, when they're asked about the future and they're saying, well, it's up in the air. That's not a good feeling. No. And I hate to see that, man, because I'm telling you. Rodriguez, you're looking at an all-SEC running back. You're looking at a potential first-round pick in the NFL draft. Yes, sir. He's probably in the top five of the best running backs in the nation this year, if not top three. 
I tell you, he looks better than what Najee Harris did in college to me. But they say most definitely he will not be playing in the first four or five games minimum, Ooh. which would include the game against the Florida Gators. Yep. And I'm pretty sure South Carolina is right around that area somewhere also, and Tennessee. Yeah, I think so. So, I'm telling you, man, if you don't get him back, you're in a world of trouble. Yep. I mean, you already had a receiver that you were supposed to get from Bama, had to decommit and go somewhere else because you pulled a scholarship. Yeah. I don't understand what exactly is going on in Kentucky. I hope Stoops can get together because so far, up to this point, he's been doing a great job of keeping a very disciplined, very respectable program. But we said from the get-go, once you start getting a lot of this money flying around. Well, I mean, we say that he's really been keeping a, you know, a tight lid on this program. But, I mean, if you think about it, we had breaking news, what, a month or two ago, where Ray Lewis's son got arrested for DUI. This is true. So, I mean, you've got to really question what's going on in Kentucky right now. If it's... If it's money getting to these players, if it's... I mean, when you got an NIL deal with a bar. <laughs> yeah. Making appearances and signing autographs in a bar, and then you get a DUI. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not smart as some guy out there, but I learned at a very early age how to connect the dots. I'm not a smart man, but I know what getting drunk is. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, you can put two and two together. Yeah. It don't look good. It really don't, man. It really don't. And I really, really wish they could. I really hope he can get things turned around, get things sorted out, because I hate to see such a promising, outstanding career for a young man get messed up in something like this. And I just, I hate to hear it. But then what bothers me even more is they said that, uh, him not appearing in court was due to a mishap by his attorney. His attorney had a scheduling mishap and told Rodriguez not to appear. But I'm sorry, man, but if I'm going to court for something as serious as a DUI, that goes on your record for a long time. Absolutely, man. I mean, even if the lawyer tells me that I do not have to show something. I'm going to call the court. I'm going to be calling everybody. Yeah, I'm going to make 100% sure because my ass is what's on the line. And, Bo, I mean... <laughs> You better damn well bet I'm going to figure out what's going on with it. Yeah, this just... I don't know. This is a massive blow to the Wildcat team, which is known for a great rushing attack, which opens up holes in the passing game for Levis. But if you don't have that rushing attack, it makes it a lot harder to make that passing game succeed. Right. And then you got four to week two, man. That's just... I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah, you know, from what I was reading with Kentucky's running back options right now, they do have a freshman that's coming in that they're really high on that they think could be, you know, eventually Rodriguez's uh, replacement, you know, going forward. But, you know, at the same time, man, it's just when you have a back that is, is like Rodriguez and can – you know, run over folks, just, it's not a good thing. 
Not a good thing at all. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I hate seeing stuff like this, but unfortunately, this year after the first year of NIL being in the books, we've had a lot of off-field incidents happen in the off-season. You can say kids will be kids, boys be boys, they'll get in trouble and all that, but the thing is, man, back in the day, all right, South Carolina, for instance, Stephen Garcia, when he got in trouble... That wasn't just some hush-hush Columbia news. It was everywhere. Yes. Everybody knew about it. Every time there was a Carolina game on, that's all we talked about is the trouble Stephen Garcia got in. Blake Bishop, he got in a bar fight. It was everywhere. Down in Florida when Aaron Hernandez, yeah. I don't like speaking on him, but uh, when he got in trouble and they had a big fight down there in Florida, it was on the news everywhere. Baker Mayfield and the crazy shit he did. Yep. Everywhere. Yep. Everybody heard about it. And now all of a sudden we got these ain't second and third string guys. These are all I mean, all SEC potential all American yeah. football players getting in trouble. I mean back to back to back to back to back. It's really concerning. Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. You had your problems before NIL took shape. You had those players out there that were. Let's just say hard-headed or just had discipline issues or whatever. But, man, this is becoming more common as the days go by than what it was in years past. It really has. Yeah, it has, man. And I just – I don't know. But while we're talking about NIL, why don't we talk a little bit about this uh, SEC spring shenanigans they got going on down in Destin, <laughs> Florida. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Destin, Florida, shall we? Yeah, old St. Nick's trying to do a little moonwalking, going back on what he said. You see that? Well, he's he, he's doing a little bit of moonwalking without really apologizing. Well, you know he's not going to try to apologize, nobody. He's the almighty St. Nick. <laughs> but they had questioned him about everything that happened. He immediately basically jumped down to report service saying, I didn't really say that anybody did anything wrong. Then a reporter said, well, you said they bought their entire recruiting class. And he said again, I didn't say anybody did anything wrong. Okay. Put a lot more sternness in his voice, a little more agitation, just being being a bit of a dick. And he went on saying that he shouldn't name any schools in particular when discussing everything going on. Mm-hmm. And he said he had no problem whatsoever with Jimbo. But I'm just going to have to pump the brakes right there, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Hit that e-brake. E-brake, Nick. I didn't have no problem with you saying what you said. It was a little bit of dry snitching, but uh, Jimbo did some dry snitching his damn self. Yeah. But once you say stuff like that, there's no turning back, man. Let's just stand by it. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. Let's be a man about the whole thing. You said what you said, and, you know, as a man, you got to stand by it. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it's okay to say, you know, hey, Jimbo, I apologize. It may not have come out as, you know, the way I meant it. But you still have to say that you said what you said. Exactly. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, how you had Curry Smart and Billy Napier there also today. <laughs> and both of them 
wouldn't call Jimbo wrong either for no. reacting the way he did. They didn't say he was right, but they didn't say he was wrong either. So they're trying to stay Switzerland on the whole matter. So I don't know, man. There's just a whole lot of shenanigans going on. Makes for great content for us. It really does, man. I mean, you, you got pretty much, you know, Kirby Smart down there just saying, hey, you know, basically my name's not Bennett and I ain't in it. That's right, man. That is exactly right. But uh, I just, if you're going to make accusations like that, say things like that, you need to back it up. Yeah, you really do. But with all that being said, that is the news for today. It's only Tuesday. Lord knows what the hell we'll have by <laughs> Thursday. Yes, sir. Thursday, 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 man. With all the shenanigans going on down there in Destin, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what the next two days bring up. Yeah, me too, man. No doubt we'll have a lot more news coming. But uh, with that being said, before we end this thing, how about we talk about a little bit of film study? Let's talk a little film study, man. Let's talk about those uh, those tigers. Yes, sir. Let's talk a little bit about the LSU spring game, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, I'll tell you what. I was excited to see what the difference was between last season and this season as far as spring game goes. What the change of the crowd, uh, you know, the crowd would be with, you know, the, the coaching staff change and just really to see what difference it looks like. And I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm not disappointed, really. No, no, absolutely not. It didn't disappoint me, but... I was a little let down by the crowd, to be honest with you. Really? It, yeah, I can wholeheartedly agree with that. You're looking at some of these games that, you know, like a Virginia Tech, for instance, or even, you know, a South Carolina or a Georgia, for that matter, as far as all the fans in the stands and, you know, all the hell that's being raised, man. You've got just a little bit of a section down there in LSU. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It just is a little empty. I didn't like that. But, I mean, I get it, man. You had a rough year last year. Not what you wanted. You lost your coach that you loved. year before that wasn't too great, especially when you had a natty just yeah. in 2019, a phenomenal year. So, you got a little bit of wind out of your sails. Hopefully, Brian Kelly can get it turned around. From what I've seen in the spring game, man, I mean, all in all, the team looked pretty damn good, The I love the line play from both sides of the ball. Both the O-line and D-line looked outstanding, put in the ass of work. Absolutely. That defensive line fired off the damn ball. That that defense, defensive line, just the defense in general, man, looked like the LSU defensive old. It really did. For real, man. I mean, it really reminded me of the really aggressive LSU defense from what you've seen from – yeah, back in the ni- or back back in the mid nineties to early two thousands. Hell, I say through about two thousand ten. Yeah, really. I mean, that D line. I mean, just flew off the ball. It was explosive on that first contact. Headhunters, man. Headhunters. Got a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. But with that being said, the offensive line. A lot of times, even if they got blown up off start of play, really gathered up very nicely and was able to work their feet around, work the shoulders, rotate the hips, and. Still square off the blocks and the rushing game at LSU. Vastly improved. Tremendously. Yes, sir. I was extremely impressed with the rushing game. I mean, they got 
what looks to be a three-headed monster yeah, in the backfield. For real. They got one running back. I believe he was number 22. I didn't even catch his name. But he really looked to be a sensation yes, sir. out there on the field. Number 27, uh, Williams. Mm-hmm. He looked phenomenal. And then there's a third one out. He looked outstanding. I mean, just a rushing attack in general. Yeah, I mean, you had your elusive backs, you had your quick, speedy backs, and you have that power back that that every team wants in that third and short situation or, you know, third and goal, fourth and goal sort of situation that you can give that ball to on and expect to get a yard or two. Absolutely, man. And, I mean, also the quarterback play yeah. really looked good, which, I mean, I expected Miles Brennan to be pretty good because, hell, two years ago before he was injured, I mean, he started off that year looking like he was going to pick up where Joe Burrow left off. He looked really great and went down to an injury. And yeah. Last year before the season happened, he uh, got injured and off the field ended up. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate, but uh, missed the entire year, which opened the door for Brad Johnson's son, um, Max. Max Open the door for Max Johnson played the rest of the year last year. It makes you wonder a little bit. Hell, how LSU would have fared if Miles Brennan could have started two years ago. If he could have started last year, hell, who knows what could have been different. But yep. should have, could have, would have, you know? Yep, absolutely. Things work out for a reason. That's right. But they really – he really looked very sound to me. Didn't I didn't see so much of that real down the field throwing. Like I wanted to see really pushing the ball down the field. But one thing that concerned me a little bit, though, was it looked like the, some of the wide receivers ate a little bit too much popcorn before the game. There were some drops, but there was also some very great catches in moments, too. So, I mean, there's a little bit of both ways there. The tight ends look very good. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing that i got to give it to the tight ends, man. They they dual threat, man. They can block. They can, you know, they can go out for the, the short passes or long passes down the field, man. They both, you know, the tight ends that I saw, they, they look like uh, – they were a difference maker. And the biggest thing I noticed, man, is the defense did not give up the real big plays through the air like they've had a little bit of an issue with in years past. Yeah. You didn't see them give up none of those real big plays downfield. I mean, a couple, the couple of longer pass completions we've seen, more so was just due to the ball being thrown. I mean, absolutely spot on. Spot on perfect. I mean, that ball, Nussmeyer threw the receiver, dropped it, but. That was double coverage, and I mean they did a great job covering receivers, and he just dropped it right in between them. Yeah, the only the only place that, that would have been able to get caught was by the wide receiver. He put it in just the perfect spot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean that defensive back did not have a chance at it. Yeah, so I mean with Nussmeyer, you got a good arm. Then with you got it's kind of funny with Nussmeyer, you got. Trying to think of a good comparison. You got a little more of that strong on quarterback. Yeah. Then when you got with Miles Brennan, you got a little bit of that uh almost Drew Brees. You got that veteran in there. He might not have the strongest arm on the team, but his accuracy looked very great. You could tell he moved. he could operate that offense down to a T. Yeah. Teammates listen. He was able to make adjustments at the line. It seemed to really help. And then you had another quarterback in there. I'm trying to think of his name is number seven. Dual threat quarterback. Yeah, the one that they got from, I believe, Arizona State yes. transfer. Yes, yes, yes. Arizona State transfer. He made a lot of great plays with his feet out there. He really, really did. impressed me. So they got a, They definitely have a great quarterback competition going on down there in LSU. And when they asked about it after the game, they asked Brian Kelly, uh, 
if he was able to narrow down a little bit more on his quarterback, which one he wanted to be a starter. He said, no, he said, unfortunately, he said, I think it's more harder to figure out now than it was before. More difficult, he said. I don't know what I'm going to do. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, I wouldn't be opposed to a two-system to a, a two quarterback. You ain't going to see it. Not going to see it down, down there. But I wouldn't be opposed to it, man, because both quarterbacks have their own, you know, positives about them. Oh, I, I would love to see it. But uh, Brian Kelly, when he was asked about it, said, uh, would you be open to possibly having a multiple quarterback system this season? And he said his comment was, and I quote, nightmares, lots and lots of nightmares. He said, <laughs> he said, I would really prefer to have a one quarterback system. He said, two quarterback systems are very difficult. He said, and a lot of times end in disaster. He said, so if I have any way, shape, or form ability to do it, I'm going to have a one quarterback system this season. My question is, who the hell do you play? Right. Because all three just look stellar. Yeah. So, LSU, man, they look looking pretty impressive. I'm telling you, man, I'm excited to see what the future holds for them. I'm just excited. But the SEC West, the SEC East, it's just it's all wide open. The SEC is wide open this year. It really is, man. I mean, More so than what it has been in years past. And the East now, I mean, the East might not be as wide open as everything else. You got Georgia there, but after losing so many players in that defense, you got to think. I could still see them going undefeated in the regular season. I could. But at the same time, with so much inexperience in places, I could also see them slipping up and missing one. And Alabama. I, I could see LSU upsetting Alabama. I could see them pulling off. They don't play in times four. Mm-hmm. Who's to say LSU couldn't beat A&M? Absolutely, man. And you've got A&M out there that we're really unsure about what the future holds for them. But week three, they play in Miami. Absolutely. I mean, and that's a team you don't want to sleep on. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I mean, if anything goes like years past, it just seems like an A&M gets a big head about them and thinks they can win these games that – they probably should win in the long run, but ends up figuring out a way to lose it. Yeah. Yeah, they've had a little bit of a habit of that in years past. So. What you like to call sleepwalking. Yeah. There's a lot of uncertainties this year. And I am excited. I love it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We ain't far now from it at all. Less than 100 days. Yes, sir. I say another thing, too, is LSU, that defense. We were talking about D-line, but that linebacking core. Like I said, headhunters. Headhunters all the way through, I mean. And Boggs. As much as I hate to see Coach O going, I will say, the team, from what I've seen, and I mean, you, we can't read too much into a spring game. Right. But at the same time, there's a lot of things you can look at in a spring game. And from what I've picked up on personally, I think they will be more successful this year than they were the last two. I agree. From what I've gathered from this spring game as compared to last year with Coach O, it looks like everybody's playing with more heart, more determination. More focus. Yeah. Looks like they got a lot of noise out the room. Well, they ain't got to worry about Coach O running down the street shirtless. 
trying to take all the girlfriends. <laughs> Don't miss that guy. <laughs> I'm telling But, hell, man. With all that being said, you got anything else you want to hit on? No, sir. No, sir. I think we've hit on just about everything I wanted to talk about today. You know, that, that LSU team is going to be uh, one to watch. You know, I'm like I said, I'm excited to see what happens in these SEC meetings. And, you know, I'm just I'm just excited to get on to the next one. Absolutely, brother. Well, uh, with all that being said, I think we're just going to keep these chains moving and keep those drinks cold. Absolutely, man. Keep that beer cold and keep your women close. That's right. Well, y'all take care. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe. Share it with your friends. And we'll see you next time. Peace.